0: And for the rest of us, we are going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, as we continue to walk through this gospel. Uh, This is going to be part two of Jesus's prayer for the church. Our passage is going to be verses 20 through 26. But before I get to reading it and uh, breaking it down, I just want to kind of remind you of what we've talked about already in this chapter as I stated just now, that this is uh, Jesus' prayer uh, right before his crucifixion, and this prayer takes up all of chapter 17. And what's unique about this prayer is that there is no other gospel that goes into the detail that John has uh, recorded here in his gospel. It's it's awesome to be able to to look into. The prayer of the Son of God to the Father and to see the intimate details in there and to see who including who he has prayed for and this prayer can be broken down into three sections of study Uh, the first one is verses one through five we can see clearly that Jesus here prays for himself Uh, that's how he begins the prayer and as he prays for himself we see that he is asking the father to uh, give him back the glory he had before the incarnation. And this is a glory that he rightfully deserves. And and in verses one through five, uh, he clearly makes that known by telling the father that he has done everything that the father has sent him to do, everything. And he has done it perfectly. So in doing all those things perfectly, he's asking the father to glorify him. And that glorification... Uh, would take place in fact this is the beginning of it but it would take place after the cross and after the resurrection and we see that at the very end of the gospels and also the beginning of the the epistle of of acts so that is verses 1 through 5 and then you look at verses 6 through 19 which we spoke about last week uh, he prays specifically for the disciples and what's really awesome about that is that The prayer that he prayed for the disciples, um, much of that or all of that actually applies to us as well because we are his church. We are his church and and he guards us by his providence just as he did the disciples. And that's what he that's one of the things he prays for, for the disciples, that they be guarded by God's providence, uh, that they have his joy in them, that they be kept from the evil one, meaning the devil, that they be sanctified in his word. It was a beautiful part of the prayer where we get to see how God, through his providence, through his love and through his sovereignty, how he continues to build upon his church, using us as vessels. Giving us what we need for life and godliness so that we can accomplish our purpose here in life. But in our passage today, today for me and for all of us, it should be really special because Jesus prays for us specifically. I've been, trying to, I've been trying to let you know that, that Jesus had you in mind in this chapter. When he went to the cross, he had you in mind. And when I say you, I mean those who have believed in him, those who are his, those whom God has given him. And that's not my language. I'm using the language of chapter 17. He had you specifically in mind. And here in this passage, Jesus prays for us. He prays for all believers. But I want to make sure you take that personally. If you are in Christ today, he prayed for you here in this passage. And here's what he prays for. That those whom God has given him, that they will be one and That they will be with him. Two enormous blessings. Two things that will give us encouragement for the rest of our lives. No matter what we face. Jesus prays for us. He prays for you. He prays for me. That we be one. And that we will be with him. So let's read our passage and take a closer look to see the blessings that we find here in God's written word. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That is the reading of the word. So, so what we have here is we have this last piece of this prayer. And as I said before, uh, this prayer is, is specifically for the believers and specifically for us. And what's awesome about it is when we first identify this prayer, uh, the first thing I look at is what type of prayer it is. Uh, J- Jesus here prays an inter- intercessory prayer for all Uh, believers here in verse 20 when we talk about intercessory prayer all that means is we are praying on the behalf of, of others when we pray for somebody we are interceding for them so to speak and what it means to pray an intercessory prayer is it means to implore God on behalf of others and it's usually accompanied with prayers of adoration, of thanksgiving, of confession. If you notice our 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 worship and and how we go through our worship songs, we follow a model. We follow the model of adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. The supplication part is the same thing as intercessory prayer where this is the the part in prayer where you approach God and 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 you pray for yourself but you also pray for Others, too, and and the prayer requests that they have. Now, the difference between intercessory prayer or intercession um, as compared to the others, as compared to adoration, thanksgiving, and confession, the difference with intercession is that we are specifically praying to God to help others. See, when we pray for somebody, we implore God to help that person through a gracious act uh, uh, or a divine act. We're asking God to show mercy to that person, right? So, and that's something that we're all accustomed to. We do it every single day. We do it often. If you are part of the, uh, the text prayer group for this church here lately, that thing has been going bing, 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 bing. I mean, there's prayer requests coming through like crazy. So, I mean, we, we do it often and, and we know that it's urgent and we know that prayer is the best thing that we can do for one another, Sometimes I think we get mixed up about that. When we look at prayer, it's like, well, at least I can pray for them. No, no, brothers and sisters. The most you can do is pray for somebody. But if we're going to pray for somebody, we need to follow it up with an act of mercy. That doesn't absolve us of of not acting in mercy, but prayer to the Father is the most important thing that we can do for one another. So intercessory prayer is is special for us for us to pray for somebody first of all we have to know what their request is so we need to know that but also in order for us to pray for somebody they have to be on our minds sometimes I've been bombarded with prayer requests and and to be honest there are prayers that I have forgotten at that moment and I have to later I remembered that I forgot to pray for that person then you go back and you pray for that person. See, they have to be on your mind at that moment in time for you to uh, implore God on their behalf. And the reason why I mention that is because when we look at this passage here, in especially in verse 20, we can clearly see that we were on the mind of Christ. And to me, that's amazing. That's amazing, not, not as... As, again, I want to make it personal, not as a group of people that he did not know. And he's just praying like, OK, those who will eventually believe in me, I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. I don't know who they will be, Father. But I'm just praying for those who happen to believe in me. That, that's not it at all. Jesus is praying for us specifically those whom God has given him. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep, Right. He leads them out. He knows every single one. If one goes astray, he goes after it. So when Jesus is talking about believers, he's talking about us specifically. And he is we are on his mind right before he goes to the cross. On the night before he was crucified, he prayed for you. It just really blows my mind. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 20. I do not ask for these only. He's speaking about the disciples here. In that moment, he's speaking about the disciples. But he goes also for those who will believe in me through their word. You see, we are the ones who have believed in Christ through the word of the apostles. And we know that's how we've come to faith because that's exactly what the Bible tells us. In Romans chapter one, listen to what Paul says about how we come to faith. He says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation." Do you hear that? I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, not for some, not for many. He says, "For to everyone who believes." To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's talking about the scope of the power of the gospel. That it's not only for the Jews, but also for the Greeks. It, It expands to all of God's people. The Jews and then those who were grafted in. For in it, he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So you see, we come to Christ through the word. And the word. The word that we that we believe in, the word that is preached to us was first written by the disciples who became the apostles. And through the Holy Spirit, they wrote down what God breathed out. And it is how we come to faith. We hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts. Changes our hearts. We believe that we believe the gospel that we are sinners in need of a savior. So it, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Those who will believe in me through their word. We are the ones who have believed in Christ through the word of the apostles. Now, think about it. Think about that just one second. At the dawn of his suffering, he prayed for us. Have, have any of you ever been the sickest you've ever been? Now, let me just think about that moment. The sickest you've ever been, you've been in a hospital, whatever it is. Are you thinking about how well other people are doing at that moment? Not really, right? Our natural self, we, we, we try to preserve, right? Preserve life. We're, we're, we're thinking about if we're going to make it through this thing. We're thinking about what we need to do to get comfortable. We're thinking about why me, right? All kinds of different things. But we don't sit on 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 we don't sit down or we don't lay down deathly ill thinking about other people at that moment in time. But here, with the cross in the distance, in the, in the near distance, Jesus is thinking about us. He's praying for us. See, before the cross, the name of every saint was on his mind. Every single saint was on his mind. Why? Because he was about to go to the cross to pay the penalty for their sins. He knew who were his. And he was praying specifically for them. So, Intercession for believers is Jesus's ministry in heaven as we know it now. The Bible says that he ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. So just as Jesus prayed for all believers here in this section of scripture, it shows us what Jesus is currently doing in heaven. He's imploring God for us as we live our lives. Now, I don't know if that's encouraging for you or not, but it sure is encouraging for me. You know, it's, it's very encouraging to hear when brothers and sisters are praying for you. It's a no whole other level when you find out that the Son of God, your Savior, is praying for you as well. Because sometimes we wonder, does God hear me? Does he know what's going on? Does he know what I'm going through? Oh, he knows. And your Savior has prayed for you. Even today, he has prayed for you. He intercedes for us. And so I want to make that clear that he, is, he, he has us on his mind. or he, he has us in his mind and he is praying for us. And this is specifically what he prays for here in verses 21 through 23. He prays that the church be unified. See, Jesus prays for the unity of believers in two ways. First, he prays for that horizontal unity. As I look out in the crowd, I think about that. The unity that that we have between one another. We have a special bond. It's not blood. It's Christ. We have the spirit of God living in us. We're a special group of people. And again, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done for us. So within the church, there's supposed to be this unity. There's supposed to be this partnership, this brotherhood and sisterhood that goes beyond all things. And that's what Jesus is praying for here. And then he also prays for Vertical unity and what I mean by that is unity between the believer and God. He prays for both of those things. Now we must look at this prayer in two ways. I know when I've read this passage before in the past I I automatically go to the unity that we'll have after we leave this earth. That's what I go to. But that's not necessarily true. That is true. But there's another part to that. See, in this prayer, there, there are two things that are going on. And this is the way we must look at this prayer as there are things that have already been fulfilled. And also there are things that are awaiting to be fulfilled within this prayer, within this prayer of unity. What do I mean by that? Well. Things that are already fulfilled. are things are already fulfilled because every believer experiences an intimate union with God. So as Jesus prayed for unity between each other, for us to have unity between each other and us to have unity with God, we have to know that part of that prayer is already fulfilled. Because before before we had Christ, we were enemies of God. And now, now God sees us as his friend. He sees us as his child, We are at peace with God and we are at peace with God because of what Christ has done. So we are blessed because the Holy Spirit has made his home in us and his presence in us is unique for the church. Also, this prayer is already fulfilled because we are unified under Christ. The Bible says that we are the body. He is the head. So when we look at this passage, we can see that part of Jesus' prayer has already come to pass. He has united us in himself. And it's really cool when you look at it because you think, well, OK, what well, he's praying for at the very end when everything is all said and done. No, part of that prayer is for us now. We are enjoying the unity that we have between one another. This is what Jesus prayed for. When we support each other, when we pray for one another, when we help each other, even when we discipline each other, that's the unity that Jesus was praying for. See, that's why it's impossible for someone who is, who is a Christian to not want to be unified with the church. I know there are personal things that we have to work through many times, but every Christian wants to be unified with his church Every Christian wants to be with other saints. We need it. We need it. Now, the other part of that prayer are the things that we are still waiting for. Things that are waiting to be fulfilled. Those things are that one day we will have perfect unity with God And that we will have perfect unity with each other. See, because even though we can enjoy our time together now, there are always things that get in the way. Sin gets in the way. Sin comes and invades our relationships. We are selfish. We are hard-headed. We're not willing to submit to one another. Different things like that that destroy unity. But God says that one day our unity will be perfect with him and our unity with each other will be completely perfect. Now, I think we can all appreciate that because of how hard relationships are. It takes a lot of work, friendships, marriages, family relationships. They all take a lot of work, a lot of sacrifices, and there are a lot of mistakes made But one day, we won't have to deal with that. That's the other part of Jesus' prayer that we are awaiting to come to pass. Listen to this out of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. He says this, Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. the redemption of our bodies. For in, this, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, that's exactly what Paul is talking about here and how we are hoping and we are waiting for this future glorification where we will be united with Christ we will be united with the Father, Uh, we will be united perfectly with God, and we will be united perfectly with one another. See, and although we haven't fully realized perfect unity with God and each other here, the blessing as we look at this prayer from Jesus is that one day we will. See, Jesus prays that we become one as he and the Father are one. Now, when we look at that, I think that that's, like, uh, that's really hard for us to comprehend. Because when we talk about being one as the son and the father are one, it's like, well, how can we attain that? That's like when God says in 1 Peter 1.16, you shall be holy as I am holy. We look at a passage like that and we're like, well, there's no way I can do that. fact is is that this is what we are commanded to do. You see, that's not being unified as the Father and Son are unified. That's not something that we can do perfectly on this side of heaven, but it's something that we must strive for every day. Now let me ask you a question to complete this point. As you look around, are we more unified as a church than five years ago? are we more unified as a church than 10 years ago or just even a year ago now if you want to get down into the weeds you can look at your own personal relationships how are they going are 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 you being more unified is your family becoming more unified sure there are certain challenges that occur in life but are you being unified through these challenges What part are you playing in this unification? Are you giving yourself over to the fellowship of the church? To the service of the church? Are you still holding yourself back? We are the body of Christ. Every member of that body plays a very important role. So that requires all of us to take a step back And ask ourselves that question. Are we more unified today than we were in the past? If we are walking obedience to his word. If we're striving for genuine fellowship. If we're really there for one another. Then the answer is going to be yes. See the answer is only no whenever there's sin involved. So if the answer is no then what sin has crept in on us? What is dividing us? And how can we get back to being unified? I think that's a very important question because Jesus has already prayed for us. It's already possible because he has prayed for us, he has died for us. And this is what he desires for us to be. He wants us to be unified, just as he and the Father are unified. Then secondly, Jesus prays for us to have a place in his presence. Now, this prayer request, man, it's as beautiful as they come. See, in verse 24, Jesus prays that one day that you will be with him. Now, when we look at this, if you walk away not encouraged, I don't know what to tell you because here Jesus is praying that we physically be with him one day. You know, it was enough for him to pray for us to be unified and and, and how he made that possible. But he's like, no, Father. One day, these people whom you have given me, these people that I am dying for, I want them to be physically, spiritually with me. See, the great R.C. Sproul says it this way. The greatest benefit that we have is access to the presence of God and his son. That's where Jesus wants us to be. When we read through John, if we just back up a little bit, y'all remember John chapter 14? Where he tells the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have prepared told you that I go and prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also it's so cool that in verses in, in chapter 17 just three chapters later we we are hearing this again but in the form of a prayer John 14. Jesus says that he goes and prepares a place for us. Here, in John 17, he reveals that he prepares it so that we can be with him. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience when someone invites you over to their house and they prepare the place for you, so to speak. Just uniquely for you. Let's say like you go out of town you visit a, a family member. And when you get there, everything they, they've thought of you completely. They've accommodated everything you need. It just something about that just makes you feel special, it makes you feel wanted. But then on the other end, we've all we've all experienced situations where we felt unwanted. We felt like people really didn't want to be around us, nor did they want us to be there. The beautiful thing about heaven is that we'll never feel that way again. Jesus says that he has gone and prepared a place for us and the reason why he has gone to prepare a place for us, not it's not because someone made him do it. It's because he wants us to be with him. I as I get older, I think I mentioned this maybe a couple of years ago. It's funny how I remember that I mentioned this specifically, but as I get older, I, I enjoy being home more. I think that's supposed to happen, right? Especially with men. I don't know. We just, it's like our den. We just like being in our cave. The comforts of home. No place like home. That's nothing compared to what Christ has in store for us in heaven when we finally get home it will feel like home. Especially with all those who have gone before us. Just imagine that day celebrating God's goodness with those who are already there. Beautiful day. Jesus pray that we be with him for a specific reason. Look at verse, at the end of verse 24. Or the second half of verse 24. This is really important. He prayed that we be with him. So that we may behold his glory. Right? He says it in verse 24. That they may behold my glory. Which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. I think that's really important for us to realize that I think in this world today man centered theology is prevalent and we just want to know what God can do for us or what he has done for us what he will do for us how we can God how we can get God to do anything we want how we're the most important thing to God in this world how we're just completely precious in his sight. Yeah, we, it, it's, you hear it over and over and over again. It's man-centered. It does not glorify God. Here Jesus says, hey, I want you to be with me. Why? So you can see my glory. Awesome. Not because, hey, because I love you so much because you deserve it because you're my prized possession. He didn't say that. He says, Father, I want them to be with me so that you, they can see my glory. In other words, so they can worship me. That's a wonderful picture of us just standing in awe of the majesty of Christ. You think about different places in the Bible where, where Christ Revealed a little bit of himself. Think of Isaiah. When Isaiah entered the throne, he saw God high and exalted. He wanted to die. That's the glory that Jesus is talking about. And he wants us to see it. And one day we will see it. When we are finally called home and our eyes behold the splendor of God in heaven. Number one, we will celebrate that. And number two, we will know we only got there because of Christ. And I will tell you this right now. You will get there. If you belong to Christ. If you have placed your faith in him. You will get there. Jesus has prayed for you. The Bible says that we need to cast all of our burdens on Him because He loves us. That's exactly what we need to do. But listen, you will get there, but that doesn't mean you coast while you're here. Right? There's a lot of work to do. In fact, Let's think about what Jesus told us. Let's let's go back to the first prayer request he had for his church. Let's work to get unified. With one another. Don't just be a number in this church. Don't just be a name in this church. Be a member. Work side by side. Support each other. Encourage each other get involved in other people's lives if you don't like the people you are serving with now you're going to have a hard time when you get to heaven there are a lot of excuses that we use for not unifying our feelings get hurt we look at the we look at the mistakes of others at the sins of others without looking at our own sins We need to humble ourselves. And we need to unify as a church. We need to unify as a family. We need to unify in order to serve God. So yes, cast all your burdens on him and go and fulfill your ministry. Walk around knowing that Jesus has prayed for you and is praying for you. If you have that mindset as you're walking around, as you're doing life, I guarantee it's going to change your whole perspective on everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today and we thank you for just speaking to our hearts and giving us hope and encouragement in this time. As we think about what you prayed for us about, help us to walk in obedience To becoming one as a body of Christ. Help us to put away falsehood and to put away pride. Walk in humbleness. And to think of each other as ourselves. Help us to do this as a way of serving you, glorifying you. The goal of all this, of course, is to... Proclaim the gospel to the lost, to fulfill our purpose as your vessels. If there's any sin in us in this area, help us to repent of that sin and walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen.